Hey everybody, welcome to the Mount Deer Podcast. My name's Rodney Elmer. I'm a poor old taxidermist from North, <laughs> from Northfield, Vermont. Well, maybe not totally poor. <laughs> and I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Elmer. How's it going, guys? And Taylor Elmer. Hey, Dad. We are... <laughs> careful, careful. Dude. Oh, man. You have to ask something, right? Yeah. Um, We are missing um Coyote. He's, yep. he's back home, yep. buttoning up all of his button-ups and yep. so it's so it's, uh cocoa puff but yeah working um, hard and we're trying to get in a few podcasts like preseason kind of stuff where we're talking about some of the things you need to do like come come that special time of year that we all love so much um one of the big things is like you have to not only get out your gun and go with that right you practice a little bit and get your body ready to go but you also have to have a plan for what you're going to do with your animal when the thing is dead. You know, from the second you pull yep. the trigger to getting it squared away and you can go, ah, right? Yep. There's quite a process to that. And it's also a very important one, especially if we end up with some more warm weather like we've been having. This what? moose season has been one of the warmest. Like, And, man, you've got to be prepared. Mm. You got to be prepared to get that thing out of the woods to cool it off to yep. take care of it. It's quite and, a job, right? And also too, with times being what they are, and like everyone who works is super busy, and everyone who doesn't probably never will again. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think like there's a worker shortage. I don't care if you're a truck driver or a nurse or, or a anything meat cutter else. or whatever. That's right. Mm-hmm. So like these guys, like your meat cutter or whoever it is they're probably going to be super busy mm-hmm. and your cape might suffer because of that, right? Like you don't want to be dependent on nobody else for nothing. This is the year to be self-sufficient in your ability to cape a deer, pull the antlers out and cut it up yourself. You're going to, you need cool to off, know how to do that. Transport you want it, to know move that. it. Yep. Especially if you get a good big one, you want to make sure it's done proper. We don't need more people getting the backs of their Boone and Crockett bear skulls cut off and all that. Okay. Right. It's time to, it's time to, you can do this, believe yep. in yourself, make a plan for processing and handling your deer after, you know, we kind of have the same from the time the deer is down and there's a tag on it. The procedure yep. is identical. Yep. It's if we can take lots of pictures, get the gang in on it get everybody there, get all your memories and all that stuff squared away, gut out your buck, drag it out. Get it reported and then look at the weather. Yep. Because if we have even a remotely similar deer season to last year, last year was brutal. Where we were in western Maine, it was brutal. Hot, warm. I mean we had snow for that la- that little beginning, the first like three days, maybe, yep. and then it was sixty degrees for three friggin' weeks. It yep. was terrible. Pooh bear weather. Right. Yeah, seriously. Down. You just you might as well just nap. Yeah, you know, dead and, calm, and, and and it's not like no deer died. It's not like you, no, they didn't get bucks. No, they did. Yeah, but they, and they were there. The, you yeah. can't just leave them hanging. You yeah. have if it's going to be warm and it's going to be sunny, you know, and it's not going to cool off at night. You got to get that deer handled. This was one of the. We just had a couple of fellows bring in a, a moose here today from Maine. Oh, um, nice from one, the Stratton area. Nice that one. was a really nice, nice bull. You know, I think it was nine hundred something. He was a nice one, mm-hmm. and big boy. They they got lucky and got a you know good way of getting it out of the woods nice and quick and they took care of it really fast and really the the bigger the animal is the more important it is to cool it off right yep well, there's a lot um, of extra you know mass to, that holds all that heat in oh yeah 
and then then when it's nearly 60 you know pushing 70 and here you are trying to you know cool the moose off and and take right care of it and not only that but extract it from the woods a lot of things start happening when you pull the trigger oh yeah and the rotting process for your meat and for your hide starts instantly yep right so it's like a a stopwatch you pull the trigger bang right there's a lot of things that happen before it's all nice and safe in the freezer right. and a lot of time goes by that's the other thing yep so when you have this uh, whole process beginning and the warmer it is the the shorter the amount of time you have yep um this moose season in particular will probably be one of the warmest that we've had in a while now and yeah last year was snow I think Vermont had a whole bunch of snow, so that was a that was a blessing for them. But mm-hmm. it made things wet. So you not only have warm, but if you have wet to boot, that makes the stopwatch go even faster, and you have right. even less time. This has been a year for tons of bears, and how you treat a bear in the early season bear hunting is almost always guaranteed warm. So when you have all this situation set up so that you have to work through all of these little things and it's Sunday night and you kill something, yeah. nobody's going to be around to help you. No, you're on like, your own. Yeah, so like you've got to have a plan, and we want to go over some of the parts of the plan that you really need to have. Number one, first, absolute first thing is you need some time to take care of it. Right. Even if it's just finding it, right? Finding the animal can be the very first thing that will make a lot of time go by, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we start our stopwatch. You just shot your deer with a bow. You just shot your bear with a gun. You just pulled the trigger on that moose, right? These things, now you got to find it. So the stopwatch starts right there. Right. If you're filming, taking pictures, all that kind of stuff, again, click, 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 right? That that tick, tick, tick is going on the whole time. Um, on especially cool days, like 30 degrees, it can be give you almost twice the time that you would have if it was 50 or 60 days, you know? So that's part of it too. Keep all those things in mind while you're doing it because – the, the clock is ticking and of course the quality especially of the mount or the hide when you come to get it back i always say you can't make nice furniture out of an old rotten log right you have to treat that outside cape just like it's a tenderloin and take care of it right off make, the bat well it's made of the same thing that's right made out of moose it's made out of bears you, made wouldn't, out you of wouldn't, wouldn't leave your steaks in the garage in a cardboard box for three days for three days and say oh it's, and, it's okay yeah or it's dirt not, too because that's another thing you have to remember too if it's warm out or you're dragging it you're dragging it out right that's like personally i like to keep my incision i make on the like on a whitetail as small as i can because it limits how much exposure the inside the deer has when you're gutting it out when you're gutting it out so and you're going to be dragging it on like bare ground right because that helps it's like the wrapper on the candy it helps mm-hmm. keep that candy clean until you can deal with it right and of course you want it to cool as rapidly as possible right and you can't keep that small for long like well, yeah you do it while you're dragging right but after that man Once you, you open that thing up and you widen it out and you let the heat out right so we're trying to find it as quick as possible and keep that in consideration you may not find it till the next morning right it's a deer you shot with a bow right you, you might be 
five, six, seven, ten. You could have ten hours go by, you know, before you recover the animal. So again, as soon as you get to that animal, you remember ten hours are gone. And you gut that thing out and you cool it off. You get some ice inside of it, right? Rinse it out. Too when if you, if when you, you do have to shot. pack an animal with ice, make sure that the water doesn't get loose from the ice and end up all inside the chest cavity, right? If you happen to shoot an animal and you paunch it or you, you have some extra bacteria inside that chest cavity, which is natural, Mm-hmm. And then you feed it a bunch of water and it's a warm temperatures. You're now giving that bacteria a transportation mode to work its way right into the meat, work its way between the hide and the meat. If it's hanging and spread real and fast, it spreads, it not only spreads it, but it encourages the growth of it. Right. Right. Now, when bacteria start things rotting down to get rid of, in order for bacteria to eat like the proteins, that are in meat or the hide or, or any of those things. What the what the the bacteria does, since it doesn't have a mouth, it spits out it like oozes this enzymes. And these enzymes start breaking down and making this slime, which is on the steak in the refrigerator, you know, that's been there too long. That slime starts eating away and breaking down the proteins and it makes a transportation and food kind of highway for the bacteria and it gives them a place to breed and make more so the bacteria will begin eating it and of course blood is the best it's it's almost already ready to go so anything with blood on it and bacteria and moisture and warm temperatures right to help the bacteria breed and go it'll put out more and more of this enzyme acid and that's actually what's making the hair the epidermis layer of the hide which is the corium layer it makes those two layers come apart and so the hair slips and it wants to come apart so it's real important that you keep things as dry as possible because then the bacteria can't grow so fast it doesn't have transportation and it helps slow down the amount of slime and enzyme which will break down and make it go. As soon as something starts to stink, it's got a slime on it. Right. Right? So keep in mind that when you do gut the deer out and you paunch it a little bit and you wash the deer out to clean the chest cavity, dump it out and dry it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It'll make a world of difference. Yep. A world Wipe of difference. Wipe the thing down, get it dry, get paper towels, a towel, whatever. Try to dry Rag, it inside yep. the chest cavity off. It, Absolutely. It makes a huge difference. Yep. Around the mouth, right? Almost always the lungs, right? You you end up having blood around the mouth and the nose. Wipe that off. Get rid of that because that is wet already. It's already a transportation. It's a food. And there's already naturally bacteria there on their own inside of their mouths or eyes and their ears, right? There's naturally those openings in their bodies are loaded with all these natural bacteria. Keep them as dry as possible. Wipe that face off and clean it. The lips and around the eyes, those are the very first places to usually come apart when a hide is starting to go bad. Awesome. That and wherever a bullet impacted, that's another huge the, one. The the worst part of that is those are the most important parts on your mount. Yes. And that's the parts you it's look the, at it's the face. instantly. You look yes. right at the eyes and then like you look at a deer mount, it goes eyes, antlers, nose. Yep. That's what you look at. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So keep that in mind that you want it nice and dry and beautiful and clean. Next step, 
is to get it out of the woods. And of course, if you do have to drag something like a moose and it's huge and you happen to have a horse or whatever, if you're going to drag an animal and you're going to be hurting the hair, do it just on one side. If you plan on getting it mounted. Yeah, if you're going to mount it, just drag it on one side. Don't drag two sides, right? You don't want damage on both sides. Right. If you do damage one side, you can always do like a pedestal type thing and turn the damage side towards the wall and hide the damage some, right? So that moose, if you think, well, it's going to go in my living room and I want it facing, you know, to the left, then, right, you know, drag the left side, yep. right? And then right. it's down and it's against the wall and you'll be looking at the right shoulder, right? right? So like all, think about how you want it to look when you're done. So this is another preseason thing. If I shoot a big buck this year, where am I going to put it? What do I want it to look like, right? So while you're waiting in your tree stand, you can go through deer pictures and figure out what think you're like it. and dream about it and think about it, and it'll help it come about, right? And you'll also have a somewhat of a plan. I'm planning on mounting this thing. This is kind of the look I was shooting for, or right after you shoot it, right? And mm -hmm. and he's run off, and you, you have that half an hour to wait for it, right? So think about those things right then. It'll get, give time a chance to go by, and you'll also be planning, and you'll know what the deal is. So when you do come time to drag it now, oh, I want this side down, right? That's an important Just thing. To skirt that problem, we like to bring a sled. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's a nice way of uh, getting your, your game out of the woods, especially if you're on bare ground, oh, because huge. it creates that barrier, so you're protecting the animal. But also, too, it makes it easier to drag because it reduces the amount of friction that you have to fight against while you're dragging it out. Yep. And it, if you're hunting with a partner or you have a group, it, help, it allows the opportunity for them to help you drag it out because now you can have bigger handles. You can have more help <laughs> to get it out. Well, yeah. Just, just in case you like, – because a bear don't come with antlers. Right. And that's the only real nice thing There's about no shooting a buck a is you can drag it just by holding it. You know, like a doe or something, sleds. You're right, B. They're the best. Yeah, oh yeah. Not to mention, you're also not putting it in the dirt. Yes, it's right? helping keep it clean. Right. So you got heat and water that ruin your meat, right? Dirt They'll ruin too. your cape too. Same exact thing. You went rub and then dirt is the, the next gravel one. outside. That's right. And the other thing is like when you start skinning your animal, make sure that you don't get the inside hide part dirt on it. Mm-hmm. It's like having your log covered with dirt and then you get out your chainsaw. It dulls your chain in a hurry, right? It's the same thing when it gets on my fleshing wheel and you dragged the moose out of the woods and you covered it with dirt. Then you're hanging it up by the hindquarters and you're skinning it. And as you skin it, the hide lays over and of course the flesh side is out and it droops and drags on the ground and then as you cut the head off, the whole thing falls on the ground, and now there's a bunch of boulders stuck to it, like rocks. Like, I've had guys bring in a cape, and I lay it on the table, and I open it up, and there's inch, inch and a quarter crushed stone that is stuck to it, and it's just the, the hide is covered with inch and a quarter stone <laughs> on the inside, right? You don't want that, because my flesh and wheel, which is a precision shaving mechanism mm. do i want to run an inch and a half through it not no. if you want to last right. <laughs> I, I i am not happy when i open up a cape and it's loaded with rocks and dirt because i like i i, I don't know i've had some moose i've had to sharpen 50 
had to sharpen my blade 50 times doing a moose hide at least right i have to you know take 10 15 sweeps with the knife and then i gotta sharpen it it's dull already you know and we're talking about a moose hide which is five eighths of an inch thick and i want it to be like a quarter inch thick Right. So That's I've got to not only shave all the meat and the garbage off, but I also have to shave the corium layer down and make it even smaller so that the salt penetrates good, the tannin solution will penetrate better, right? So like keeping it dirt-free on the inside is m- almost more important than having it on the outside, even though if it is on the outside and I've got it on the table and I'm flopping it around to flush it, I'm still getting dirt all over the table, which yep. gets on that sticky yep. inside. Right. And now I'm right back to dirt again. Right. So you have to go wash it and clean. and Yeah. And of course, I don't want it wetter than it needed to be. Yep. Because if I wash it in the tub, right, I put it in my sink and I take a moose hide and put it in a tub and it's covered with, you know, maybe five cups of dirt, just plain old dusty dirt, like you dragged it behind a pickup truck. And here I am trying to wash all that off. It gets everywhere in the water. And now the water goes into every part of the hide everywhere. And now I've got to wash out the dirt that I washed in. Right? So, like, uh, it's not unusual to have to wash a moose five times. You know, to pick the ticks out of it, to get all that. So keeping it as clean and as nice and as beautiful as possible, I can make beautiful furniture out of beautiful logs. It'll yield the best product for you. You know, like, all of this is for you. For you getting the best end result and keeping the most possibility you know you spent so much time tracking and so much time putting this energy and effort and you money into this right yeah. and you finally get this moose or you finally get this buck and it's like now you, you still have a responsibility to take care of the thing you know if you if you even think you might want to do anything with it you know you have yep. to take care of it yep this i i'm never i'm never real excited about uh the racks that people put in their research you know, the, like oh. the cargo square racks that yep. you drive that are in the back of your rig and you put a deer on that. Sure. Has anyone ever had a perfectly clean rig and drove down just a tiny patch of wet blacktop and then seen the back of their rig? Oh, and how like kid. dirty and nasty that is. Yeah. All that. It's just like we were talking about a boat tail versus a, uh, you know, just a flat back bullet <laughs> and the turbulence. Yes. When, when a vehicle goes down the road, the turbulence behind the car just yeah. stirs all this dirt and water up. And it just, we've seen deer that are just covered in slushy, nasty, salty water from guys. Like you, you get out at the end of the day, it's water, been, it's dust, been snowing. Mud. It's great. Yeah. You go to, mud. you go to report it and you have to drive on a blacktop road that's covered in salt, <laughs> sand and muddy water, nasty. It's like, dude, you're going to ruin that's why we don't have those. Right. We wouldn't if we had a Wrangler. We would still put that that deer on the top for that yeah. reason because you're just going to ruin it. You're just yeah. going to ruin your cape. You're going to ruin the meat. Yeah, you know? your deer looks like a cinnamon donut. Seriously. Yeah, it's just covered with dust and dirt, and and then if it rains or something to boot, right? It's straight mud. I don't. You know? Yeah. It, unless it's going to be wrapped in a tarp perfectly yeah you're better off to not go with those racks. Oh, you know I what I mean? I no, I'm not doing it. You put it in a truck. Yep. Odds are good. Everyone that's listening to this probably has a truck. Use a truck if you've got a truck. That's yeah. how you keep your deer the cleanest and the best to transport. It just works the best. If you have to put it on top like we do, sometimes we, now that we don't have the Jeep anymore, we're not doing that. But, right. you know, you have to do what you have to do. But just try to keep it clean. That's the biggest That's the biggest thing. Yeah. 
No, there's always the the gutting out process and keeping that as clean and nice as possible. And, you know, if you you did happen to leave the, say, the bladder still inside of it or whatever, you get back to camp, you can then open it up, right? I, I don't like to get crazy about opening up the skin between the hindquarters. Some of the very best steak is on the inside of the hindquarters where everybody takes the knife and goes, you know, between their legs and opens that all those beautiful steaks up and exposes them all. We Thank should do a video. How to ruin your deer meat. Yeah. I'm we <laughs> we could yeah. That'd right. be easy. Oh yeah. We yeah. will use Tara's deer for the experiment. What? <laughs> <laughs> well the, I'd have to shoot one first. <laughs> you know, those little things when you get back to camp, you open that up, you you put a cup under it, right? And you clean it, it all out, you catch it all up, you take care of it, you keep it as clean as you if you do have to take water to the inside of your chest cavity and wash it out dump the deer out you know, hang it by the it head up hang it up by the head some or just leave it on the tailgate take a water hose flush a chest out dump all the water and all the blood clots and the garbage out of there and then take a cloth and wipe it all down if you uh, are a numbers guy and you just want to have that weight and you leave the heart lungs liver in the front end you gotta like, get that out of you there. You gotta get that out of there. You you do not want to leave that in there any length of time, and it it starts festering and brewing, and then when you do hang it up, now all of the veining and everything it runs downhill towards the neck and the head, and uh, the other thing is, say it's hanging in the rain, the rain, the snow will melt and work its way, and it'll end up going down inside of all the tubes that you cut off. And then feeding between the skin and the head. And I've I've had a whole bunch of deer in here. Ruined them. I usually have like four or five out of thirty where they're just full of water. Looks and when like I come a frog. to Yeah, like you took a giant air hose to the deer's head. And blew it up and made it round. We'll take some pictures because there's probably yeah. going to be a couple. And it, yeah. you know, it and, looks so bad. And, of course, it stretches the hide so much. And it hydrates the hide so much from the underside. Now I take my knife and I cut between the horns. And I start caping it off the head. And every knife swipe, there's like three spoons of water that will come out between the hide and the bone on the head. Like... They're hitched right together. There's no reason for anything to be in there, but the water will go inside of that. And it makes such a punky, loose hide. And then when we salt it, the the salt can penetrate some, but because it's so watery, it wants to like dilute all the salt and have it just run off. And it doesn't work as well. And you have to salt and scrape it off yes. and then salt and scrape it off. And, and of course, it's not yep. just straight water. It's blood and bacteria and water. So now you've almost like infused bacteria right into the main hide, plus made it extra wet. And on the face. And it's on the face Which of all places. Which is the places. worst. Right. You can't like, hide any of that. You know, say you bring it to the meat cutter. Say you don't do anything. And you just drive to your meat cutter and you say cape it and take care of it for me and you lay down your dollar bills right and they just take care of it you are now subject to how good they do what they do you're you're depending on the meat cutter to know what he's doing and how he's doing it and whether or not he cares now if he's got 300 deer there he's probably not going to do a great caping job right because he's got stuff to do he's got stuff to do right he can't mess around not everyone but it's likely well 
as soon as you start depending on other people for the quality of the outcome and you say to yourself, I can't do it or I'm scared to do it or I might screw it up, right? That That's probably the number one thing I hear is I'm scared to screw it up. So I won't try. So I won't even try. And then you go to somebody who's super booked and stressed and they've got stuff going on and like it. Cutting deer is a scheduling nightmare. My God, that's why I would never, never butcher deer. I'm, I'm not into that. It's bad enough doing what I'm doing. I would never do deer to cutting, but you are depending on his cooler being empty enough for your cape to be inside of there for a little while. And right. even then, it's only a cooler. Bacteria is still growing. Right. It's just growing a little slower. Right. You're not hitting now, pause. If you slow down, that's right. And if you take a whole bunch of R38 insulation deer hide. And throw it in a pile. What's the middle of the pile going to do? It's going to heat up, right? Yep. So if the head is on the bottom and he threw a bunch of the rest of the cape behind it, or he threw the cape in first it up. and th- and just kind of you just kind of set the cape in the box and threw the head in the box. Now the chin, right, is sitting against a warm pile of our thirty-eight insulation inside of a cooler. Do you think his chin, which has tons of bacteria, water, moisture, saliva, blood, when the buck was rutting, right? And blood, and you killed it, and the bacteria in the throat and mouth are growing like crazy. Next thing you know, the lips, the bottom of the chin, the hair just starts coming right off it. It's already starting to get between it, especially if it got wet too, right? Mm. Now, if it was a day in the, say you found it in two hours. And you brought it out and you reported it the next day, right? You shot Over, it in the Overnight evening. at camp. Overnight at camp. Yep. Then you have another two and a half hours of reporting it and driving it to the meat cutter. Meat cutter lets it sit for three hours before he starts caping it. He capes it off, uh, throws it in a box, finishes hacking the deer into chunks and throws it in his cooler, right? And might even grab the cape box and throws that in the cooler. Meanwhile, that chin is sitting on that pile of R38, right, with the worst possible situation. And now it sits there for a while, and this just barely happened, right? It happens all the time. And then uh, he calls you up the next day and says, your deer is all ready to go. But you've got scheduling thing and honey-do list, and you don't get over there for a day and a half. And you say, ah, it's in the cooler. It's safe, right, just because it's in the cooler. And then he, you get over there. He's got your meat all cut up. Um, it may be frozen. It may not or whatever, depending on. And most of them don't freeze anything, but some of them are nice and freeze stuff for you. That is the best, right? Freezing it is the best. And the head should be frozen too, right? That should have went in the freezer first because the bacteria rotting process started on that way before the meat. So it's nice and warm and it's all covered with bacteria and it's covered with R38 insulation in just a 40 degree, 38 degree cooler, 36 degrees if you're lucky, right? And it sat there for two days, three days, plus you had a half a day overnight. So now it's four and a half days. And you go pick it up. You go pick it up. You meet the taxidermist maybe in the evening, maybe the following day. And you set it in your garage, right? It's already got five or six days. You come into the shop right here. I throw it on the table, and it's really starting to stink really good, right? It's already right, yeah. starting to it's been stink. been sitting for a week, cumulative yep. time. It's not 
the hair isn't falling out yet, but it's got some stink to it. That means you're like half a second from no good anymore because it'll take about three hours to even start to cool off when I just cape it off the animal and dry it the best I can, which doesn't get rid of those amino acids. You're basically drying out those amino acids that have started. You just kind of suspend them when it's dry. Right. As soon as you rehydrate it, it goes right oh, back yeah. to rotting. All the, all the enzymes and bacteria and all that stuff just slow down. Yeah, they're just, they're, but they're still there. They're still there. And then I take it and put it in the freezer, which takes another day and a half to freeze solid. Now, even in the freezer, the bacteria aren't dead. They're just suspended. Right. And the amino acids that they've been putting out, which are going to rot everything, they're just suspended. If anything, they may still slowly be working on the proteins, breaking them down just a little bit. Then it takes, oh, 12 hours to thaw the cape out. 10 hours, 12 hours to thaw the cape out. thawing out, they're waking back up. They're waking back up and instantly going back to work as soon as it comes out. Things defrost from the outside in. Right. So the outside has to sit for multiple hours before the inside is finally thawed and free to work with it. His lip might be way thawed. And the ear butts where the meat and the solid part is and the neck is still rock hard. And I can't even cut it off and get going on it. And the lips and the nose are completely thawed. And at least I'm smart enough to take a cloth and dry them. Right? As much as you can. As well, much you, as you, you can. Know you've had the experience. You know. Right? So now as soon as it gets right. ready and I throw it on the flushing wheel and I go through everything. And I dry the outside and I flush it as close as I can. And I start putting the, the salt right right to it and I, I make sure it's a wet salt right i put water on the hide first put the salt on top of it and i want diluted diffused salt to be sinking into the hide right well the water helps transition as acts like a vehicle for the salt to get into the hide and right. all those little nooks and crannies in the pores and all the hair follicles it allows it to, it to get re- in. It really distribute it out. Th- now, a hide absorbs the best when it's in between states. It's not super soaked, mm. and it's not super dry. If it's super dry, nothing's going to get in there. So it has to be like this perfect batch of cookies just right for the salt to penetrate. Now, say the salt penetrates, and it does kill most of the bacteria. There's very little bacteria. There's only a few of them that will grow in a salt solution. So... I've now salted it for 24 hours and I clean all the salt off and say that it's nice conditions in the shop. It's not humid summertime. It's like right now in the fall, almost need a fire kind of, you know, humidity. If I take that and I put it into the water and I wash the salt out of it and start washing all the outside, getting the bugs, the blood, the, the burdocks, the ticks, the wingless flies, cleaning the hide and getting it ready to go. And then I put it in, get it all washed, and I put the Lysol right to it to make sure and kill the bacteria, right? All of those things matter so much that, and, and I'm riding a line between too dry and too wet. I'm always riding this moisture line all the time when you're tanning things. And that's why there's no guarantees with tanning because you're trying to ride this perfect line and there's some room, but there's some you can't, right? And I might have just one little patch in the middle of an entire hide where that one little patch wants to come apart and the rest of it is fine. So like you're always riding this line in between the two and it starts with you, right? It starts with the hunter. Say as like a 
an ideal situation for like a do-it-yourselfer kind of hunter. Like they get the deer, they drag it out. They're going to take care of it all themselves. What should, in, as, and they're going to have it mounted. What would you recommend as far as like they don't, might not have time to butcher it, but like what should they do with the deer to make sure that it comes to you in the best condition? Well, the number one way, right, if I have time or whatever or your taxidermist has time and if you can hand him the deer and he cuts a cape off it that day that day right you just you shoot the deer you report the deer and you rip that hide off right just it comes yep. off the best when it's fresh yep. and if they want to age the meat you can age the meat then right but it's important to get that hide off and clean it so the first thing we do is clean it gut it carefully get it out of the woods Take the time to uh, cool it off as, as properly as you can. Store it someplace dry. Don't have it hanging out in the rain. Or in right? the sun. Or in the sun. Then get it reported. Get it back home. Take the hide off. Now you've got the cape and the head, right? Clean it all up. Keep it cool. Put it in something because it's crawling. It's got bugs. Right? Mm-hmm. right keep it away from the dog keep it away from everything right yep. you know expect bugs all the time don't just it's pretty bring, don't really just bring rare. it in your living room to do it either right yeah, don't throw have... it loose in the back of your car all right because your kids won't like that when there's bugs all over them right your wife will freak take that stuff and but in a plastic bag too it can warm up in there right so you don't want to leave it in there any length of time but if you can can get that hide separate from the body you know, cut the head off, cape it, watch a caping video, right? There's a million nice caping videos, shows you how to do it. Just get that part done. Take care of that yourself. Take care of how the trophy part of it works. Do that yourself. If you have to take a couple hours off, do it. Yep. And drive to the taxidermist and hand it to them the freshest and the nicest and the greenest you possibly can, right? The sawmill would love it if you could cut the tree down and hand them a log on forks, right? No dirt on it, ready to go. They would love that. They would just pick it up and lay it on the saw, and you make beautiful timber, right? Same exact thing. The, the more beautiful and the well you treat it, the better your end result. So get that done right off the bat. Take care of that yourself. Don't leave that to your meat cutter's job. You might even save yourself some money if you skin it yourself, right? Yeah. So don't be afraid. Learn how to do it. Be prepared. Take the time. You'll love what you end up with afterwards. And your taxidermist will love you too. Yep. Right? Because you're not handing them some old rotten log that everyone's going to look at. And when the furniture's rotten and full of knots right. and everybody else looks at it, right. they're going to be like, wow. Right. And, and it's not even his fault. Right. And it's it's not, you know, like it's not your fault, but it is your name. Right. You know what I mean? You look at it and be like, wow, that mount looks like crap. And the, you know, the hunter will be like, yeah. I love yeah. to have good materials to work with. You know what I mean? I love that. You know, when somebody brings me a beautiful, nice, clean, green, beautiful, the thing's nice and mm-hmm. no smell to it, no slime, hasn't been shot in the face with a bazooka, all right? <laughs> like, I, I get that all the time. They, mm-hmm. they blow the horns off or, or they, they shoot them. In like, the face. Sometimes, yeah. And, and I understand. You got to get the animal and guys right. do it. And, and it know, happens. Right. I move, you move, whatever. Sure. It's life. Yeah, you do the best you can. And I'm I'm pretty good at, at and most taxidermists are really good at fixing, you know, bullet bazooka holes, you know. I, I fix my share of bazooka <laughs> holes. But 
like in the end, if you're thinking about it and you're caring about it, you'll end up with something so beautiful and it'll last your lifetime. Even if you don't get it mounted, the pictures and video will come out better. Not and when to you mention share, the cape when is you worth share, something. right. And when you share it with everyone else, you know, it looks, it's a testament to the animal and a testament to yourself. And it, yeah, a testament to your respect for the animal. That's right. Like to, in your respect for hunting. You know what I mean, don't, right? don't drag it and yourself through the dirt. Yep. Take care of it and keep it clean. <laughs> the other thing Words too, of wisdom. <laughs> the other thing too, is if like you keep it out yourself and you don't have time, like say you, you got to work tomorrow or whatever, and you don't have time to bring it to the taxidermist or you're undecided and, but you, you want the option. Don't salt the high before you freeze it because the salt's going to prevent it from freezing. And oh, it's all, and all it's going to do is help that bacteria work inside your freezer. And especially if it's like a head, right? The salt, you didn't salt the head. You just salted the cape part and not right. the head. And the head is a part that would need the salt the most. Right. And it never gets it. Like, yep. so, and, and the salting has to be done the right way. You know, tanning a hide is a lot like baking cookies. And if you change one ingredient, it, it alters how everything comes out. So in a best case scenario, when you give it to them the freshest possible way, they're going to, you're going to end up with something nice and it does make a difference. Don't leave it to somebody else. Right. You know, um, the other thing too, is when it comes to bears, you know, a big part of bears is cooling them off, keeping them dry, doing it quickly, keeping them as clean as possible. And they're predators. Yeah. Bacteria is even worse on predators. Oh my God. And the other thing too, is the skull on a bear, it's very easy. A lot of people love sawzalls and cutting it off, but we've had quite a few where the meat cutter has cut. Instead of hitting the neck, he scun up the head just a hair, and he thought he was cutting the neck off, and he cut the mm. rear of the skull right off. And now it's not Boone anymore. Yes. No, yeah, it won't you know how many Boone and Crockett book. bears have been taken out of the running because of that? A ton. It's not good. It's not good. Right. So, you know, I always take them off with a knife. It's a little extra work, but I won't ever hurt the skull. The other thing, too. Not um, unless you're really hacking. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. None of my <laughs> knives are ever sharp enough for that. The other thing, too, I would recommend, too, if you cape your deer out and you, you take the cape off the head, too, when you're going to put it in the freezer, lay it out and roll from the nose to the shoulder. That way, the, when you have it, this nice little hide ball, the face is inside. Mm -hmm. That way, it, it helps protect the face from freezer burn. And especially if it's a really nice, nice, beautiful green cape. Yeah. If it's a rotten cape and you, the nose is terrible, I will leave that on the outside then. Right. And then it'll be the first to freeze. The only problem is, on the other end, it'll be the first to thaw out. Right. And you want to freeze it with the flush sides that's together. That's more that balancing that line. Right. And that's more of that line that you yeah. have to balance all the time. And, of course, the other thing is wherever a, an animal is shot, the shock wave goes into the hide. And it, it just, like, shoves bacteria and bone fragments and blood. metal. metal blood through the, yes. oh, yeah. It shoves blood right into the hide. The other thing that does happen sometimes is abscesses right moose are just loaded with hair that got jammed in when they fought another moose and it got jammed underneath and it turns into this big like infection. boil you know infections are a big problem with tanning because the bacteria is really developed right and that oozy green yellow nasty 
right? If that runs down the side of his face because he was having trouble, that hair may slip wherever that stuff was. Yeah, it, 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 won't, it won't matter what you do. Right. That's It'll already be too gone if yep. the follicles are damaged that bad. Oh, sure. Yep. You know, so keep all those things in mind. And also, too, some animals are beautiful to mount, and some are just not. I, I've had a whole bunch of them where I'm like, dude, this thing isn't going to look too good. You know, it's going to have problems. And if you're forewarned about that, right? And I have performed some freaking miracles. <laughs> I have. Even yeah, I've I said, I'm pretty sure I can't save this, yeah. but I'll try. Right. You do what you can. I mean, and, that's all you can do. You know, if 15 hairs fall out here and 15 hairs fall out there, yeah, but big it, deal. And it was three quarters rotten when I got it and I did the best I could with it, right? And there it is. Well, you know, that's the way it goes, yep. right? You know, so keep yep. those things in mind as you do it. And some are just plain gorgeous, yep. you know, and it's such a privilege to have a beautiful, nice animal. Uh, coyotes will really green up on the stomach. Oh, yeah. You don't let those that's things That's a predator sit. animal. Oh, yes. They so, get like, stinking so bad. If it lays on its side in a truck, the truck side, like the bed, will get hot. Will get hot. And the juices and the heat are protected underneath right so it's always warm towards the bed and that side will be green and if it just sits overnight even if it's like say 20 degrees and you just shot it in the evening and you threw it in the back of your truck bed overnight and it laid there it will be green on the bottom side it's slimy and gross. because it couldn't cool evenly so like in the winter time and you got a coyote and you want to mount it hang it hang it right by the back feet unless unless and it's have super it rainy cool nasty, off everywhere you hang it all if you have to leave a, uh, like a buck in the woods overnight, don't let it lay just straight on the ground. Put some brush, put some logs under it, have some air go underneath it so that it doesn't stay warm laying against the ground. It'll develop a smell if you don't. Also, too, uh, another tip, if you're going to get your deer mounted or your bear mounted and you don't have time to get it out and you had to let it sit overnight, I always take an extra shirt and just cover the face. That way it keeps like the crows from picking at its face and mm -hmm. chewing on it. And it also help keep, it'll possibly help deter animals from chewing on it, like coyotes, because they're going to smell you and they're going to be a little more apprehensive to just walk up and start right. chewing on it. Or if anything, they'll just focus on the back end of right. things. Better, I, they, better they go for the hindquarters. These days, like the dogs are on it. Like you shoot a deer, like before the night's done, them, them buggers are on it. They know the drill. Hey. It's like they're on it. You go out and live in some of the woods we hunt, you'd be down on that thing too. Oh, yeah. Any dead deer, you'd <laughs> oh, be yeah. down on that. Oh, definitely. Woods are and if a raven can see it, mm -hmm. they'll be standing over it squawking, and then the dogs will show up. Yep. The dogs listen to the squawking of the birds, yep. and the birds are usually the first ones to pick stuff out. If it isn't the coyote in his nose, it's the the, the raven, raven or the crow raven or the crow with his eyes yeah yep, they're good at that kind of stuff and they pick it yep. right out and of course they'll tend to go for eyeballs and Soft. the hind end they really like the hind end Soft. of a buck the other thing too is um like last year with the whiskey jacks hanging mm -hmm. my buck they were picking at the fat mm -hmm. which is fine with me i mean but i don't want them picking at the face so like i'll when you open them up to cool them i'll if they're gonna chew on if they're gonna chew on the deer, I just assume them not go for the face, which is why hanging it upside down, so the head's down, it yeah. helps. They'll go after the hind. They end. go after the hind end because it's higher up. It's right. safer for them to chew on it. And like if you have crows and ravens that are picking on your deer, 
if you're going to have it mounted. All the birds and all the animals pay attention to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and if the chickadees are onto something, the other chickadees know it. They hear all that. And they're like, what's going on? They fly over there. And next thing you know, they're on it. And all it takes is a, a couple, three whiskey jacks. And even whiskey jacks make certain sounds mm-hmm. that they don't make when they're feeding and they've got stuff going on and they're excited. Blue jays, right? The blue jays are going through and they're just beep, boop, 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 boop. They're hunting, looking for stuff. And then when one of them finds something, all the others know it. And then they gang up on them, trying to take it away. Like there's sounds that the birds make and all the animals are onto it. The bobcats, the coyotes, the bears are all listening to the birds all the time. And when there's some bird things going on, like vultures out there on the Serengeti, the lions are on it. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Everything pays attention to everything. Yep. Well, as far as, as far as the, the care goes, you know, post, when you get the buck back to your place, you get your deer back. We do have some videos, how to cape, how to cape deer for a shoulder mirror or how to cape them in general. We have how to cape the head specifically and pull the antlers out. That's a that's a pretty uh, handy video if you want to do that yourself. You know, we're going to do how to gut. We're going to do all these different individual videos to help your field care. So that way, you know, your deer comes out, your animal comes out as good as it possibly can. You know, and it, it's just another tool for you to use. You don't, it's, you don't have to do it every time. But if you know how to do it, it's just better for you. Well, not to mention, too, you can help somebody else. Right. Or oh, like definitely. you can like if you take if you take a youth hunter out or you take an older gentleman who's just getting into it and you can help them transition into the hunting culture as seamlessly as possible and also instill some good habits. Yeah. A lot of people think they know what they're doing and sometimes really don't. And I've seen that's his taxidermist second pet peeve, right? Is just like somebody who thought they knew what they were doing and they actually made it worse. So really study it and find out what the deal is, and then you'll really know what to do, right. and that'll make all the difference in the world. You can tell when you're, when you're talking to somebody who really knows what they're talking about, you can tell right off the bat, mm-hmm. right? And it makes a big difference. There's no guessing game, and you know right what to do. And, and if you treat it like you're going to mount it, it helps. Right. Many, if you're on the fence about mounting something. It allows you the option. Yes. And if, you know, all of a sudden you, you say, change, yeah, I'm going to do it. You change right? your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those, the people who are on the fence about their deer and whether they should mount it or not, they're the ones that call me three times a year. Got it done yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And the ones who are like, absolutely, here you go, giant. Like, they, they don't call 16 it, it'll times. It'll be around. Right, right. So, you know, keep that in mind. And not to mention, like, you can sell the cape. A lot of times, taxidermists yep. will make trades. Everybody's oh, yeah. looking for good capes. Lots of people screw them up, and a lot of good capes are worth fifty to hundred bucks. Yeah, I don't throw away Benjamins. No, no way. You know, I'm not doing that, nope. especially when it could pay for my license in another state or something. Yeah, or, you're right. Or That's maybe a, a whole tank of gas in the pickup. Right? Yeah. I was well, like, it could also. I was like, well, hundred bucks is three days of hunting for us as in the truck but considering these times you know it could also pay for your tag next year or part of it yep right so hope you guys found this interesting um you know you spend so much time so much money and so much effort you know learning how to get a deer and now the next step to really becoming a skilled outdoorsman learning is to to learn the back end you gotta learn the end game that's right this is it yep you know when the buck's down what to do. What to do. Yep. This is what it's all about. Yeah. Not being scared. No, and like, you can do it. And if if right we out. can do it, you can do it. Yeah, Come yeah. on. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hope you listened, you listened and you learned and you share and all that jazz. Um, if you have any questions, have any comments, suggestions for future topics of the podcast or just stuff in general you're wondering or thinking, you can send those over to our uh, podcast email, A-S-K-M-T-N-D-E-E-R at gmail.com. That's just for you guys. You can always reach out to us on our social streaming platform thingaroos. Yep. <laughs> YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that. We'll yep. be posting regularly back in the swing of things. Thank you so much for listening and joining us. Good luck this fall. Have fun learning. Get a big one. And good luck next season. Happy hunting, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.